This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog, and with me today are two special guests. And their names Hi. are... Hi, I'm, I'm Joshua Caller. And this is Brian Hall. And uh, we're delegating host duties to Brian Hall because we will force him to speak. I prefer the term abdicating. <laughs> well, I would like to welcome you all to the Theology Gaming Podcast, where today we're going to be talking about the topic of emotional health. So it's going to get down, it's going to get dirty, it's going to be awesome. Um, but first, though, <laughs> what does yes. that mean? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's dirty sad. emotional health, yes. It's dirty sounded, emotional health. It sounded <laughs> right when it came out. That, but that first, up. though, we should probably talk about the most important thing, which is what have we been playing? Yeah. yeah. Who wants to go first? Zach? Josh, go. Zach is going first. I played Resident Evil 6, and I liked it. Yeah. What does that mean? How is that even relevant to life in general or video games? <laughs> it's not. What, 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 just, tell us how that has any value, Zach. <laughs> uh, I had it on Steam, and I was like, I looked at the Metacritic, and I saw that the ratings were fluctuating between I hate this forever, and then the other side was like, it's a pretty decent action game. So I was like, well, a game that people hate and love in equal measure can't be bad. So I played it, and I, I'm actually enjoying it a lot. Have you have you tried Jake's campaign at all? Because I've only tried the intro and Jake's campaign, and I believe I've only played the worst things that the game has to offer so far. <laughs> yeah, I think that's basically what you picked, and I'm not sure why. Why would you pick Jake's campaign? Who is Jake, first of all? I don't know. I don't I see, know. I see people I know. I see Leon, I see Ada, and I see Chris. I'm like, I played games as those people. I know who they are. Who I'm going to go for the new guy. What's his last name? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Jake Valen- is... Valentine, of course. Yeah. <laughs> all he has is the ability... Like, he's brother. just like, for some reason, he has superpowers, and I think he takes drugs. Oh, and- you know who that is? No. Max Payne's brother. Wesker's son. What? Oh... Yes. Uh, Wesker didn't have a girlfriend. He didn't have a wife. No, no one would love. Him. He was just like something. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. He must be a clone baby because nobody could love Wesker. Is. He has superpowers, right? Yeah. So, Maybe so blah blah blah. Resident Evil Six. Blah 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 <laughs> blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah. What else? Uh, you might as well be talking about Naruto here. It's the world's know, most overly long action game in history, and it just goes on and on and on. And people complain about it because they didn't know how to play the game. That's yeah, that's so my opinion. I'm going to try playing it as Leon because I heard, or at least his support character, because I heard that that gets you out of the uh, needless uh, quick time events if you don't play as Leon, but you play Leon's quest. So I'm going to try that and maybe it'll be all right. I feel like Um, the quick time events actually aren't that bad. I I feel like I'm apologizing for this game a lot more than I should, but it feels (laughs) like the quick time events make sense. Like when a zombie grabs you. You know what I mean? Like, what do you? How are you supposed to do that? Do you make it shake the controller? Shake the, the controller. Shake it. In this one, it's more like rotate the analog sticks really yep. fast. Which I mean, it's fine. It, Break them. Go. Punishing it'll, you for getting grabs. It'll fiddle. But you, you can avoid the grabs by ducking, which you just basically like. <laughs> what's the button? Oh, you press big budget the budget tonight. That's press awesome. the ready aim button when you're standing still and the character ducks and then you can use combinations of buttons to roll which is like press the ready aim button plus the left button and the x or the a depending Zach, on the I, i've already tuned you out yeah, i'm gonna cut I you know. off right there it gets really confusing but you <laughs> know what, what else have you been playing i get to suplex a zombie so i don't care i don't care about suplexing i want to suplex zombies Fine. I know you do, but that's why that's why we 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 love you from a distance. And then drop kick the zombie, <laughs> and then my partner gives them a tornado DDT to the ground, and then D-D-D. somehow this kills the zombie. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I understand, but there's a lot of senseless violence in it, and I'm enjoying it. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Also, it scares me sometimes. Brian, what are you playing? <laughs> I play games. Um, what am I playing? Oh, Stealth Inc. Two. Oh yeah, tell us about. T- all right, so. I know the history of, of the series. I played some of the first. Introduce it to us to those who have never played Stealth Inc. or the first one. So you're this dude who looks like a minion from Despicable Me. And your goggles glow green. And you're sneaking through. Maybe you're in a computer system. I really don't know. But you have these time trials that you end up running through. They're kind of sadistic. And the game kind of talks to you through text. And it's okay. It's not all that great. <laughs> Wait, what? 
You're loving it, but it's not okay. It's, it's I'm not loving okay. it, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's because all, all that matters is how it makes you feel, Brian. That's all we really care about is how you feel about the game. Yeah. If on you some, like it, there's obviously something that makes it worth your time. Yeah. Don't so, give us any so, actual information. Just so what I your feelings. So what I yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the third grade, there was this girl. <laughs> No, you know what I like about it is that there's there are time trials basically that you end up end up running, and they last about two minutes, maybe two three minutes. And I like the brevity of the game. I like the mechanics of it. I like how it's kind of sadistic. It it just it sl- sometimes the level will slowly reveal itself as you unlock, as you hack terminal to terminal. And I know I'm just kind of floundering here. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a stealth puzzler, so like, or it's a self platform yeah. puzzler, right? So like yeah. you're trying to just solve. A room puzzle, essentially, by sneaking past turrets and stuff, right? Yeah, and that's basically it. It's a very smart game. Um, I'm enjoying it. I don't know. I, I haven't been playing too many video games. I'm watching TV. No, no, no. That's good. That's really good. Watching um, the televisions. Oh, gross. You can't, you can't do anything in those things. You can only change the channel and turn the volume up and down. That's not agency. Yeah, that's not a real video game. <laughs> I don't know. I've played a little bit of Sound Shapes. I've tried to play that elephant game. What's it called? Tembo. Tembo. Guess what? It sucks. I hated it. The third <laughs> level. I'm just kind of done with it. I think it's re- – no, I can't say that. It's just – it's not very good. Man, every time with you in the video games, it's a mood swing. It's like Tembo is awesome and then I hate it. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the weekend. How- join, join us next week for the Theology Gaming Podcast where Brian just bashes Stealth thing too. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> It was okay until I couldn't progress. That it was bad. Hey, hey that was personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I just I've been playing things, but I really don't care. What have you been doing, Josh? Uh, for me, I, I I can't decide what I want to talk about. I, I, my problem is the fact that I, I've been flip flopping and jumping between things too much, which I you guys know I do that. But um, the one thing that I'm really excited about that I have finished is uh, I finally finished Shadowrun Dragonfall. And I've come to terms with the fact that it is. Are there dragons in it? There, I'm not. I don't want to spoil anything. Dang it! <laughs> they, really, there's no dragons. I never said there isn't. <laughs> so there are. I, I will say that there could or could not be a dragon fall happening in the game. <laughs> Excellent. I apologize for interrupting. Continue. <laughs> so the thing that I love about this the most is that. Shadowrun is known for being just cyberpunk to the core with the addition of high fantasy characters. Like you got dwarves and elves and orcs and trolls and they're all like ex-military or they're all like these people who run the shadows and do basically mercenary-ish things. So it's but like they're more Well, it's nothing like Warhammer. That's the thing. Like That's disappointing. Maybe it has like some of the Warhammer looking characters, but they're also like decked out in leather jackets and have like cyber armor and like tattoo implants in their foreheads. So like the reason why all those things come together is because under all of that is extremely believable characters. Like, let me put it this way. So the, the main crew that you work with, you're, you're closely related to a core team. So if you look up any images for Shadowrun Dragonfall, you see these three characters and all the images and artwork. Those aren't characters that you are. Those are your family members. Like, and I, I use the term family, like, maybe a little prematurely here, but the point is, like, they feel like real characters, real people in a semi-dysfunctional family. Like, like the, the, the one old, bald-looking mage guy, he's, he, he, used to, he used to be a part of a punk rock band, and he used to be the lead uh, <laughs> screamer, so to speak. And you feel their backstory, and there's question marks. Like, the one character, Glory, she's got these crazy long arms with claws on the end of them. Like, she's got robot arms and claws, and she just looks like she's been through some horrible crap. And the whole game, you're wondering, like, if this was a, if this was a Bioware game, you'd just be trying to develop a relationship with her, so she'll tell you her backstory. In this game, I will spoil that once you get to the end, and you're like, we've been through some serious stuff, I want to hear your backstory. She's like, sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a spoiler. <laughs> it, it Sort of, but the, the point in there is that, like, you never – she feels like a real person because you never are able to – she's unwilling to, to give up that part of her life. And that felt like someone who has like real mysteries, real secrets about her. And that's what made 
her feel like an actual flawed human being, um, even though she's like half robot, so to speak. Um, and I love that about like the whole story. And, and I, I'm not going to spoil anything else about any of the other characters other than to say that like they feel like a real family. And I've like far more so than any Bioware game that I've played, and I've played most of them. Um, and that's and that's the thing that really kept me around. And I think that's the thing that sh- that I learned from the game is that characters are far more like good, well written characters will keep you invested in a star story far more than like whether or not you're saving the world or what you're actually yeah. doing. Or but if they feel like they're real human beings, if they feel like they're based on real people, that's what really made made me care about it yeah well you can't romance anyone in that game can you no that's probably why the bioware games feel like that because they all feel like hmm which one do i want to date (laughs) yeah yeah it turns into a brothel of sorts (laughs) yeah yeah. which of my my harem of men and women do i want yeah yeah or harem that's the right word so Um, so would this appeal to someone who say is a firefly fan Oh yeah, Firefly fan. Yeah, that's that's actually the tie-in and 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 that I was thinking about like the most is like this. This is the closest thing that I can think of in sci-fi games to something like Firefly. Um, they do they just feel like a lovable bag of a holes? Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't that's, you say that sooner? That that that's much better. I'm sorry. It takes me a while to get to these these one one uh, Twitter <laughs> reviews. These Twitter reviews. A roundabout <laughs> way to the very yeah. concise... So so you would say this is a Final Fantasy VII 2.0? No, no. Because they were the most <laughs> lovable characters perhaps ever. No, I don't like anybody from Final Fantasy VII. I'm oh, sorry. Really? Next to the Uncharted series characters, Final Fantasy VII characters are even better. Uh, so so uh, what I like Shadow you have a really, really, If you have a really vivid imagination, maybe. They do different things. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so okay, so that's it for the 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 games that I've been playing or the game that I was playing. I could talk about and sleep, but I'll save that for when I actually play more of it. The game that I really liked, I'm jumping in, was mm-hmm. I played Mario and Luigi Dream Team on the 3DS. And mm-hmm. it reminded me that games can be happy and fun and yeah. whimsical and that everything's okay. Yeah. The demo actually made me want to buy that game. So it must have been good. I don't know. Next week it'll suck. So I don't know. It just kind of depends. <laughs> yeah, you've been you've been jumping around in some interesting demos. You're playing the happy little happy little Mario Dream Team, and then yeah. you're also playing Metro Last Light, which is and Metro. Is ev- everything me is out. horrible, and <laughs> but it's probably the most compelling world I've been in in a really long time. It's also the most immersive game that I know of. It's incredible. Um, everything okay. in it. Yeah. So so in the demo. You end up going into this concentration camp, and it's like it's kind of in a cylinder. And at any point, if the guard sees you, they say they'll gas everybody inside of it. And so I'm working my way up, you know, through this um, circular building. And apparently, the, all the prisoners they keep telling me up at the top in the guards shack, you can unlock us. You know, there's a switch. Just go flip it. Well, everyone's telling me. Everyone's telling me. I keep moving through this thing. I get to the top, and guess what? I didn't flip the switch. I don't even know if there was a switch. I just kept going. Does that make me a horrible person that I didn't save virtual people who were prisoners of Nazis? No. Yes. You do what you, you th- want. Do you think there was a switch? Because I really don't know if there was a switch or not. There, there was. I, I switched it. You? Oh. Oh. Brian's <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish, never. I'm gonna, I wish I could screen cap your face right now. <laughs> no. You're like, I'm, I'm serious. I, I actually, the next morning I woke up and I'm like, no, I didn't flip the, right the switch. <laughs> there, wait was there a switch and and i oh it, it upset me actually which means the game did a really good job of not telegraphing where the switch was even though it told me that it was there yeah so I don't, the game is scary you're responsible for a pack of people inside a futuristic nazi concentration yeah game. well yeah i am no oscar schindler let's just say that <laughs> brian I will save my own hide. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It just got scary, and I had to keep moving on. Brian okay? Hall, survivalist. You didn't even come across <laughs> any of the monsters yet. Oh, I did. In the opening, they um, they show a bunch of these guys, and so you're sitting around a campfire with a bunch of your buddies, and then all of a sudden, you see these enemies on the horizon. They're coming at you. They're coming at you, and then your buddies turn into these things, and so all of a sudden, your main character's stabbing them, and he's killing them, and then the game will flash back. And it'll show you that they're really humans that you're just killing and that somehow these creatures are inside your mind. 
Wait, is that a spoiler? No, it was just it was within the, when they bleh, bleh, bleh. it was within the opening five minutes of the game. Oh, I was just playing the demo. Yeah. So I maybe I wasn't I wasn't I battling was like the dream or something though. Oh, so messed up. I'm like, this is this is amazing. So what is this? Like gonna... An FPS shooter with like survival horror elements? Is that that's what I'm looking at? One, that's one way of putting it. The best the the best way that I would put it is if um it's the the very best Half Life game that wasn't made by Valve. Um, well, there's no other Half Life games that are ever coming. Out, so. <laughs> you know what? That's it a, is that's a bit like, like a sequel to Half Life episode it's, two. Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's really, really, really good and immersive, and also everyone is Russian and you're Russian, and it's a little, yeah, crazy that way. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say because I, I I keep jumping into your guys' games, so I apologize. No, it's it's good, and the other thing it does is it takes the visor, um, the subtlety of the visor. It wasn't a mechanic, but in Metroid Prime, whenever you'd go up like to a you know like a uh, pipe that shot out steam or something like that, it would fog over your visor. You know, it always made you feel like you were inside of it. Well, Metro also has the visor, except for so okay. So I've got the gas, gas mask. mask. Yeah, so I've got the gas mask on. I'm outside and I'm walking around. And all of a sudden, it starts beeping. And I'm like, "What in the heck is going on?" And I knew that I had to switch in, you know, different filters onto it, you know, to keep it going. I didn't know how to do it. So the thing starts beeping. My guy is gasping. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally found it, you know, and hit it because it wasn't that hard. But it scared me a little bit. I think my guy almost died, just like all those people did in that concentration camp. <laughs> feel guilty. You know, I feel about as guilty as I did when I blew up Megaton in uh, Fallout 3. <laughs> but those people deserved it, I'm telling you. <laughs> if it meant me living in a, a hotel that had security versus going back to that crappy town... It was worth it. <laughs> they deserved it, Brian. They deserved it, and I've regretted that decision ever since. <laughs> you guys been playing anything else? Anything else of note? Uh, I played Uncharted 2. Look at me. I'm six years behind the curve. Whoa. <laughs> and how do you feel? I don't we feel want to know about your feelings. It's kind of like Indiana Jones, except it's uh, uh, sometimes it's way too much sexual innuendo. So do you think that Nathan Drake is a womanizer like Indiana Jones is? I don't think he's a womanizer. I just think it's kind of excessive sometimes. They have quote-unquote banter, which it may is, as well be it like... It is banter. It's, it's uh, flirting at a little too much. It, it, a little too high density based on the game time that I played so far. I mean, three hours in, it's like, that's the only thing I know about him. It's like, he really... You have a nice butt. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> Body part. I don't, under, I don't understand why she keeps telling him that. Like, I see his butt the entire game. I don't need to be told about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. And anytime you j- make her jump up a ladder, it's like he stares. <laughs> it's male gaze, very huh? strange looking. Yeah, male gaze, absolutely. Okay, so. Actually, I the say- game looks really good considering it's six years old. I'll say yeah, it was one of the first games that I saw in HD. I actually played the beginning of it in uh, in SD, and I was like, I don't understand why people are saying this is the most beautiful game in the world. This looks like crud. No, it looks yeah, really it looks good. like it looks like a PS One game on my on my crappy old TV, and then I put it into uh, HD, and I was like, oh. I got a, I got I got I bought an, uh, an HD TV for the first time, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it looks really cool. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like Uncharted 1, except this one has better pacing and doesn't have yeah. just wave upon waves of killing uh, Black Islanders and the most racist third-person shooter ever made. <laughs> well, my, we could move beyond that. My first HD game was Cameo. Oh, yeah. It looks pretty good, doesn't it? Guess what? It was a terrible game. Yeah, because it was like half-finished. It was terrible. <laughs> there's terrible. Only, there's only half a game in there. Yeah, anyways. I'm pretty sure Rare didn't really make that much in the the aughts that or since They made Perfect Dark Zero, which is also awful. Yeah. Also the Xbox um Hey oh, Rare Rare Replay is out and Rare Replay is universally being praised right now that's for it's being an amazing collection. That's because it's a lot of rare games. Yeah. Oh you does it have the their... space shooter from the sixty four era? Yeah. What was that called? Um, Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, Jet, is Jet Force on there? Yeah, uh, with dual analog controls, which means it's playable now. Yeah, the C yeah. sticks were the C buttons were awful. Oh like. yeah, you know what? Back then we were used to it, so it was like okay. But now it's like, oh. I never understood that game or why people liked it. It's good. It's decent. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Buck Bumble was decent too, but I don't know. I don't think Buck <laughs> Bumble was decent. I think Buck Bumble was awful, and I knew it when Buck, I had it. Buck Bumble had the worst rap. Oh, the best theme song ever, man. The oh, worst, yes. the worst rap of N64 game theme raps. We don't get games like that anymore. Do we? And there was a lot of, there was a surprisingly large Donkey amount Kong of Donkey Kong 64. Yeah. Oh, Donkey Kong. Yeah, that 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 one was was extraordinarily bad, and still the Buck Bumble version was better. We didn't get a re-release of Donkey Kong 64. Yeah, well, we couldn't, because, yeah, you'll be all right. Well, Nintendo should re-release it, because I want to collect one billion bananas. Yeah. Just just shoot me. Have you guys been playing anything else? Yeah. Let's just keep moving. Just keep moving. We're going to keep moving. Save us. So, today, right now, in this moment, if you're in the car, if you're at home, if you're lying in bed with the... It's things that you put in your ears. You know those earplugs. things? Your earplugs. Yeah, those Headphones. things. <laughs> Have you got those in your ears right now? Hi. Welcome. Um, we're going to talk about emotional health. Josh, why don't you kind of explain why? Or what you mean. Or what you mean. Yeah, so one of the things that I've, I've learned a lot about uh, recently in terms of uh, just how, how do you grow in faith and trust and and maturity in God has a lot, surprisingly large amount to do with how healthy you are emotionally. Um, and how well you react to negative emotions, I think. What are um, you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Tembo is an awesome game. <laughs> so no, it's, I, I, it's awful. <laughs> I think that having ne- like reacting negatively to things is one thing, but like if it's your natural reaction to always freak out about like minor things. Um, that's probably not a good sign of your overall emotional maturity, your emotional health, and your ability to deal with life in general. Um, and so what, what the subject really came up for me, because um, I might come on the show a lot and just come across, for those who listen and don't know me, um, I probably come across very much as a, a pretty upbeat kind of guy. Um, but, you know, I can think of a lot of famous people who came across as really upbeat people who... Um, you know, you just don't see the them when they're not doing that great, when they're not, you know, the the other side, when they're not super funny and making a whole room full of people laugh or whatever. And I'm I'm not I'm definitely not the kind of person who's able to make everyone laugh, but um, I do I do have much more of a jokier side about me. But I also get down. I don't I wouldn't say that I get like into but, like but major he, funks. But he lifts you up. Oh, Josh. that was the first thing I thought. In my head. he lifts you up, but you get down. <laughs> And he lifts was, you up. That was seriously the first thing I thought of when you said that. You need to so listen for to those audio. Of us, for those of us who, yeah, so that's audio adrenaline. I always get audio adrenaline and, uh, what's the other one? I always get audio adrenaline and... How does that always come up on these podcasts? Get down. He lifts oh, you up. I remember the other, the other band. There's another band that's like them? I always get, I always get those two mixed up because they, but they're both fronted by eight, eight, uh, ex-DC Talk guys now. Those boys? Newsboys, yeah, the Newsboys and, and Audio Adrenaline, they're they're like the same band in my mind, kind of like Casting Crowns and and uh, uh, can't remember the other one. Like I said, they they, they all they, like there's yeah, always like, those, those things that you put in your ear, you know, those things that you put in your ear. <laughs> oh no, I guess Kevin Max isn't the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline anymore. That's unfortunate. Anyway, all that to say that like all the all that like popular Christian '90s music like all blends together in my mind. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome, yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's Carmen's awesome. the best, okay? So just Well Carmen was late eighties, early nineties, and like he, he just worked with everybody. Yeah, that one was great, sort of. <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I'll I'll let's say that like those kind when when I hear that kind of music, I go from being like, Yeah, I'm alright and then I get like really depressed. Um I don't know, like there's there's like certain things that like I find extremely unjoyful. Um, and for whatever reason, like nineties contemporary Christian music, um, <laughs> it's it one of reminds you of a certain time in life, which you, it so reminds remember. me of the least happy season of my entire life. Would you call it the uncharted two of your life for <laughs> uncharted no. two's fine? Uh, no, I would, I would call it the, uh, the, the resident evil six <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of people three years ago. Yeah, Lots of sin be, magic yeah. there. Sin magic. Yeah. Lots of sin magic. Anyway, so that, that that gives you guys a little bit more of a framework. Like I, I've also been working out of my home. Um, you guys know that I've been making game trailers and doing that sort of thing, and that's been really awesome. Except for the fact that 
Um, when I get yeah. really like entrenched in a project, I don't get out of my house much. Like I'm like, it gets to be like six o'clock at night, and I'm like, I haven't even gone outside at all. I don't even. Sun? I have no idea if there is weather anymore. <laughs> this is a common experience. <laughs> so I, I kind of like if I have like something that needs to be done outside of the house, I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> um, just get out, get me out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, last night I just went for a drive just to get out of the house. Um, Jess, Jess and I just took a drive together, so that was kind of cool. Was it nice? Um, yeah, it was super nice. Like, I like it was one of those weird things where I, I had my head buried in, like, project audio. So, like, we drive drive through the woods, and I'm like, wow, I wish I had my microphone with me so I could just capture this ambient noise of crickets and, yeah, cicadas. Yeah. I don't know. It's just this weird brain space that I get into. So Cicadas, um, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta roll down the windows, crank the AC, and just cruise. <laughs> Is this another song? Why would you have the, why would you have the windows down if you have the air conditioning? <laughs> okay, okay. It's not okay. any sense. No, it, you, it, no, it, you turn the air conditioning off, or you put the windows down. No, no, no. It's so that you can breathe the fresh air as the cold air is rushing at you. That's like I, such a I waste. Don't, I don't, I'm telling you. I don't know. Anyway, so, so. Emotional health, circling back, circling back. We're here. So I looked up emotional health on the internet, and I have a, I've got a formal description. You guys ready? Yeah. I'm, I'm born this way. Born this way. People who are emotionally healthy are in control of their emotions and their behavior. They are able to handle life's challenges, (laughs) build strong relationships, (laughs) and recover from setbacks. But just as it requires effort to build or maintain physical health, so it is with mental and emotional health. What's with that laugh? <laughs> They're able. Well, come on, life's challenges. Life ultimately, at some point, What's at some point, it's going to get hard. And sometimes we can't deal with things because we're not supposed to go at it alone. We talked about that in the last podcast that we did. Yeah. And and so staying emotionally healthy uh, for me. Uh, it starts with reading the Bible and just engaging with God and having an active dialogue with God, just kind of back and forth. And whether that is I'm yelling or we're just having a normal conversation, it, that's how it works. And I've even recently just um, just with relationships, I, I realized that I wasn't talking to my wife on the level that we weren't we just weren't spiritually connecting. And so that meant for me, it's because I had sin in my life and I wasn't telling her about it. And so we had to sit down, we had to talk, and that got us back on the same page. And and so emotionally healthy for me was being honest. (laughs) And that removed any secrets that we had going on. But it just, it showed me that there had been like a disruption or a disconnect, you know, uh, just in our communication. And so communication could be a huge thing with your emotional health. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember I had a... I was a, a an assistant to a church planning like ministry school thing for several years, and I had this one teacher who I really really respected. He's just like really like on the ball on things that I never knew a person could be on the ball about. And I asked him, it's like, how do you know your heart? Like, how do you really really get to know your heart? Because that seemed to be like a biblical theme that I was really coming across a lot. Was if you want to really grow in God, you got to know your heart. And I'm like, how do you do that? And he's like, do you have a wife? And and I'm like, no. Because I, I didn't at that point. And he's like, well, that'll help once you, once you get one. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> Let's go shopping. <laughs> I just remember the look on everyone's faces at that point, like how they were looking at me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, um, the unmarried it, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the, the point in that was like there, there, he, there was wisdom in that, even though like it felt like like a s- single shaming or something. Um, was that what you just said, Brian, what you just said, Brian, was just that aspect of talking to your wife about where where you're at. Like just, if you don't know where you're at, asking your spouse can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they'll tell you either snap out of it. You're stupid. What are you doing? Or it's more, they'll they'll just come alongside you. Get your head out of your butt. Yeah. Get it out. You need to quit. Yeah. No. Or go get a Coke. Because the caffeine's going to boost your levels and make you a bit happier. <laughs> yeah, maybe you need caffeine. Maybe yeah. you need caffeine? What? Sometimes, maybe, sometimes. Maybe I'm an addict. Sometimes you might just be hangry. Hey, yeah, and sometimes that happens too. Angry. 
Yeah, sometimes you're so, like, so hungry, you're angry, and you don't even realize you're hungry. Yeah, sometimes you're emotionally devastated and you go, wow, I'm just really hungry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All yeah, your problems yeah. are solved. Cheeseburger. That yeah. happened to me before. So, I thought I was angry at something and then I was just really hungry. How do you guys de-stress <laughs> after serious. the end of the day? Josh, what do you do to unplug or what do you do after work? How do you get out of that work mind space Yeah, and then so, back into something that is just a bit calmer? Yeah, yeah. It's, you, it's, it's weirder now because like for me, it used, one of, one of the, the things that I would do is I would play games. Like I would look forward to being able to play games and now that like games are much more a part of my work, I'm like – and also, I'm, I I I didn't fully think this through. Like when I started making games and getting really, or, or not making games, but making uh, trailers for games and getting really into PC gaming, is now my workstation and my PlayStation—not literal PlayStation, but the place where I like to play on my PC—is the same place. So this creates like this really weird dynamic of uh, I, I love need, you, PC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like, I need to get out of my house. I need to get away from this thing. I want to play the games I have on it, but I need to yep. get out of the house. So yep. I don't know that I necessarily have like a happy, perfect answer to that other than the fact that I've just been trying to get more – like last night going for a drive. Um, uh, yeah. I've been much more inclined to getting out of the house and wanting to go over to friends' houses more, um, which is a little weird considering most of my friends are like uh, significantly younger. <laughs> um, That's okay. But uh, and I haven't I haven't gotten in, gotten to go over and, and and hanging out with my game cell guys ha- at their houses yet just because I don't know I'm still weird a little bit weird about like going over to people's houses and being the the 32 year old hanging out with 16 year olds. Hey, um, what's up? You guys want some beer? <laughs> I never grew up. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, like, there's there's yeah. there's a there's a time and place for that too. But like I I like like last week I I wanted to get Scotty on the show. Is my but he was letting me. He he actually gave me Resident Evil Six, um, and that was why I started playing it. When I think it came up in our conversations. But he um, is just a, a a new volunteer at the youth center, and that's one of the things that like is is a big important part of me being emotionally and, and relationally healthy. Is just being around other people that I aren't normally a part of my social sphere. So going to church, going to um, the youth center where I volunteer, just getting out and doing things is is definitely one of the more important things. So Zach will get to you in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll something to encourage you with, Josh, and this is not encouraging. I used to use video games to de-stress, and then we had Wyatt, and that – it destroyed all of that. I, I don't have that time now. It's not like I can come home and just play something or just come home and just chill out. I walk in the door now and I've got a kid to take care of and he's there and he wants to play and he wants to go at a hundred miles a minute. And I'm like, go away, go away. And and I can't do that. I have to be dad. I'm, d- being a dad's really hard. Zach, you can laugh. How I, you I, want. Know, I know. I know. It is. It is. Cause, it is, cause I was a so hard. Yeah. He's t- your tor- <laughs> former tormentor. Yes. Former <laughs> tormentor knows. It's it's hard though because you have to come in and all of a sudden you have to be selfless, you know, and and you already do that once you get married because you're giving up your time that would have normally been yours. I don't know. I've just I found that as I and I used to get angry over it because I couldn't play and that was my right. And how dare you, yeah. you know, it, you know, get in between me and doing that. You hear the selfishness in that? It's insane, mm. really bad. And so for me, it's it's been letting that go, and it's been Wyatt is now six. And I'm finally I'm I'm closer to a place where it's okay, but for a long mm. time I was very resentful over that. Um, mm. I don't know, it it wasn't cool. So Zach, yeah, dude, you're still here with us. I'm around. Um, how do you how do you de-stress at the end of a day? Uh, because well, you're also in front of a computer a lot. I'm in front of a computer. I write stuff. I write a book. I write some more articles. I play video games. Mostly with the sole purpose of writing about them at some future point. Lies. So, yeah, well, most of the games I have played, I write about or record a video about. So, technically, all the things are intermingled. So, in a way, Hearthstone is my way to de-stress. And not actually playing Hearthstone, watching other people play Hearthstone. I don't know what it are is you, about Are that. you serious? Yeah. but it's, You're watching people now? Yeah, well, when you watch, like, professional players, like, it's, like, relaxing because you're not doing anything. 
You're just watching the game mechanics, and they're just going, oh, you know, they did this, this is a neat trick, that kind of stuff. You can actually discover new things about the game by watching other people play, which is yeah. Neat. I think there's there's there is a level of play of of play and your investment of play that makes it enjoyable to watch people who are better than you. Yeah, at this but point, it, it, it takes a, a little while to get there because I'm not yeah. that skilled at anything enough to to appreciate like if I played Counter Strike like a lot more, I'd probably be able to be at a point where I could just sit and watch people play Counter Strike, but. I'm nowhere near that point where I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's, like, really intense, though. I think, like, the yeah, first-person, yeah. third-person action games are really hard to watch other people play because all you can think about is how frustrating it is to not be actually playing it. So that's worse, but like Hearthstone's really slow paced. You have ninety seconds between turns. Yeah, you can actually so, talk about your moves in between. So you you would say that Hearthstone or just playing video games in general helps you de-stress at the end of a day? Oh no, no, I never play video games at night anymore. Otherwise, I just get too uh, worked up. <laughs> I don't know why that is now, but uh, I used to be able to play video games throughout the long night, and now if I play too much. I actually feel like I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and so I have had to actually cut back on that. So you know, mostly it's reading at night and then just like shutting my brain off. So coming from a single perspective, Zach, um, single. How do you? Yes, you single. <laughs> Ladies, he's available. Single um, shaming. No, there's no I single know what shaming. What you're doing? No, there's there's none of that. Um, how do you stay? How, how do you keep your mind space positive? Oh, I just, I just. Keep and that's not to say that we can't be sad because I've seen Inside Out and sadness and happiness have to coexist. Thank you. I haven't been sad about anything in a long time. I don't. But know even dealing with fear or worry or anxiety of some sort, do you deal with any of those things, or are you superhuman? I don't know. I feel confess sometimes. Confess. Sometimes this is the I'm Inquisition. I don't get things done on time or. You know, my arbitrary schedule, I create in my head or I wanted to do something and I can't do it. But then it's just like I try to take a perspective of my life as a whole and I go, well, I kind of have to do this at this point and just do it and not worry about all this other stuff that I wanted to do because that's selfish. And I just so would you say that you you talk to family then? Yeah, if I feel frustrated about something, but that doesn't happen a long time. You know, I think I had all that time in like school and all that stuff to be stressed about what other people thought about me or getting good grades and all that stuff. At this point, it's just like I do my own thing and, you know, keep moving forward if I end up messing up on stuff. Okay. I can't relate to Zach now. Yeah. Well, let's, um, <laughs> let's continue on here. Sorry. It's just uh, uh, one know. thing. If I can segue real quick, the one thing that I oh. think about, like, <laughs> as as you brought up the subject of, of like, dealing with stress, um, it brought me up to – it brought me back to Darkest Dungeon. Uh, which is <laughs> the basic idea of that game is that like not only are you dealing with typical dungeon diving, but the combat and, and the combat's really unique and interesting. But the the thing that makes it makes it especially unique is that your characters are constantly dealing with the barrage of stress. It's like, oh crap, an enemy just popped out in front of you. Well, that's going to stress everybody out a little bit at least, even if they have like a lot of fortitude. That that's going to stress everybody out, and everything has like these stress conflicts. At the end of the day, if you get everyone out of the dungeon, they're still stressed out. So you have to decide, how am I going to deal with this? Am I going to send – and fortunately, you have a couple, a handful of options. You can send them to the, the pub where they can gamble um, or drink. <laughs> you know, those, are, those are two options at the pub. Then there's also the, the brothel. You can send them to the brothel. You can also go to the abbey and you can pray, you can meditate, or you can flagellate. Um, and just hit yourself with a whip if that's you know if that's how you like to distress. Um, wow. And the, sure, the, the, it's got a lot you know darker options for how people distress, but like to options be, in general. Yeah, but the, the the fact that there are those options to begin with um, for how you deal with those things is really really fascinating to me. And I felt like for some weird like I wrote about it on on Plus Ten Damage earlier this year, and I wrote like. For me, and I'm realizing and remembering, one of the main ways that I respond to stressful situations is I pray in tongues. And I know this won't speak to you guys at all, but like that's like for me, it's just me spiritually crying out and reconnecting my spirit with God. That's how I see it. That's what it does. And for me, it just like brings me out of a, sp- a space where my heart, and my mind are consumed with the things around me, and brings it back to to God. And that's I felt like the game almost sort of validated that approach to dealing with stress. 
Um, of course, I could be in a if I was in a healthier emotional state, I'd probably be able to pray with words. You know, like that that would be like I'm thinking, my mind is fully engaged. These are the things, God, that I need, and it usually gets there. It usually comes to that point. But first, I need to just like on a spiritual guttural level respond to the chaos of the situation. And you know, me coming from uh, a charismatic speaking in tongues background like that um, is much more natural of a response based on my tradition than probably 99% of, or at least 90% of the the church in general. But yeah, so I felt like that would be worth mentioning. You know what? I think the reason why I'm not like stressed in the traditional sense is because I don't have this hard, fast delineation between what counts as work and what counts as fun. Like, the things I do are also things I like, <laughs> yeah. which kind of helps out, right? Well, you also have the type of personality where, like, you're able to switch from one gear to another pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. I, and for me, I'm not a I'm not a fast gear shifter. I'm the kind of person that, like, you give me three things to do, and I get really frustrated because I can't do the one. <laughs> yeah. Or I can't focus I can on imagine. the one thing because I'm changing gears, and the actual change of gears stresses me out, not because any one activity in that of itself is stressful, but because my mind is having a hard time jumping from one thing to the next. Like I don't, I'm terrible at multitasking. Like you give me, you give me two things to do. I might be able to do it. You give me three things to do and I break apart. I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like at the same time, I'm talking to you guys on Facebook. I'm also like editing my article, writing it up, figuring out what Bible verse I want to put in there. Sure, sure. Then also and, editing a podcast, etc. You know, I'm like doing multiple things at once. And I, and I can do that if I would the first task isn't so demanding. Yeah, I can understand that. Like my brain is just like, if I spend too long on one thing, it's like, oh, boring. Go to the next thing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. That, that makes so me that's, feel real good. <laughs> so that's why you like really, really hard, chaotic games. Yeah. I also like improvising. I don't like yeah. having, you know, like double checking. That's, and that's why you're a jazz drummer, right? <laughs> Kind of, <laughs> kind of. It's kind of like Whiplash. But not. But, just, not, but not Quiplash, which I, is a much better game. No, I have my internal J.K. Simmons who swears at me. <laughs> he just like tells me he's like, yeah, bleep bleep bleep, and you go on the next thing. It's like You're garbage. Yeah, Get you know, not my tempo. Yeah. <laughs> so a verse I had up on my wall at work for a long time because work stresses me out. Was yeah. Philippians four verses uh, six through seven, which says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." Um, the, the verse I was really I was trying to hammer it into myself because I'm like, I'm flipping out here. I'm not guarding my heart enough, um, and our hearts can. I mean, yes, they regulate our emotions. Uh, and I don't know, it, it's, I don't know where I'm going with that. Just the importance of guarding your heart, I guess, is what I'm saying. And that usually plays a good chunk into emotional health. Yeah. And the fun part is that to guard your heart, you have to actually open it first, which seems contradictory. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the problematic part, right? You have to expose yourself in order to actually pray effectively, right? You can't have a guarded secret closet of stuff that's like, no. I'm not going to talk about it with God. That's it, no. right? You yeah. have to just have it, leave it all on the table and just say, this is what it is. Yeah. And get over that. And I think that that's a really valuable thing because, like, one of, one of my favorite chapters, like, there's entire books of the Bible that are dedicated to dealing with life's horrors and stresses and things like that. And I think the, the, two, the two books that come to my mind are Psalms. Psalms is all about, like, just giving God praise or thanksgiving or addressing your fears and worries. and or complaining. And, <laughs> Or complaining, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and if you ever thought that you weren't allowed to complain to God, you just read some Psalms, you know what I mean? Um, but then there's another, there's another book that is also dedicated to poems that were written to and for and about God called The Book of Job, which uh, is a lot less... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Job's which, a great book. What a great book that is. Which, which has... If you ever want to pick a random verse to quote the Bible from, probably don't pick a random verse from Job. Yeah, do it from Job. <laughs> it's like, God just did all these things just because he's mad at you for your sin. And, and of course, you find out towards the end, no, that's not it. It's like a whole book about people being wrong about God is like what, yeah. what Job is. But that's, the, the, that's also partly the, the, the point in it is it's about expressing, Job ex especially, expressing his heart 
to God when nothing makes sense. Like we could talk about everything about Bible, the Bible being the source of all your answers to all your problems. But the best thing about Job to me is that it's a book about how none of it sometimes makes sense. And God still, God is still like able to make things work for good, but it doesn't make any sense. And you can be extremely disoriented. Yeah. And that, and then Satan and God have conversations about you. Yeah. And and like, (laughs) That's Satan gets gets a private audience with God about things, and I, the Book of Job is probably like if I were to make a video game based on a book in the Bible, Job would be my first pick because it's the least likely book in the entire Bible to get its own but its own game, and it would be like a mix between. All right, this is this is a terrible thing, and I don't think anybody was is ever going to play it, but it would be like a mix between like El Shaddai and like uh, some really really hard roguelike like uh um the binding of isaac and then like also with the 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 weird combat system of of like vagrant story and it would just be this extremely weird artsy game about you overcoming and just surviving and getting by while poetry is being recited around you and over you very very weird but for some reason i really want to make this game i don't i'm probably never will because i always talk about things i want to make and never follow through with but all that to say that the book of Job is great if you ever feel like God isn't listening to you because it, it shows you that you will com- complete, completely complain, cry, and just bemoan, and God hears you. And then he provides really beautiful artistic answers, which are still confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the right answers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's talk about Leviathan. No, 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 God, I was just talking about how, how much my life sucks. No, no he's, I'm going to talk to you about Leviathan well, now. <laughs> well, the answer was more, I'm God, you're not, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is but, a simple way to put it. I know. Yeah. But it's not, that's like a not, it's not an answer to the question directly. Because it's kind of like, um... Yeah. Uh, what do you want to call it? It's like if you knew, if you knew the question, then the answer would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but Job's not asking the right questions. Yeah. And I think that that, that, that it, I, I think it's probably one of the most beautiful and fascinating books in the Bible, just because it's so much about being utterly confused and lost in the brokenness of life. Yeah. Um, and and people tend Christians in particular tend uh, evangelical Christians in particular rather tend to focus very heavily on the beginning and the end of the book, and not focusing on the book itself, which is the tension of not seeing clearly. And feeling like everything is wrong and not knowing where, why, when, and how. Um, and, which, and, and Which is what life feels like, I think, a lot of times. Yeah. That's just uh, life. I mean, God deals with us in the trenches versus up on these gigantic, you know, uh, light coming down from the heavens. God's, I, I am showing you this. Yeah. He yeah. deals with us more in the muck and all the dirt. So do you guys, do you guys ever hear uh, N.T. Wright talk about purgatory by chance i know it's a really weird topic to just throw out there um but the, he 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 says that he he believes in purgatory but not in any kind of sense that you might expect but that this this middle ground between where everything is right or everything is evil this this exhausting middle space where you're frustrated and confused and you don't know what what what's going to end up we live in that space that purgatory is essentially here now. We relate to the idea of purgatory because that's our ex- a lot of the time that's our experience when we don't have clear direction. We don't see clearly in God. Zach is just hmm. I'm just thinking about it because it's like yeah. When he and talks about purgatory, does he mean like the Roman Catholic idea of purgatory? It, or? I, I don't oh, think that matters. Yeah, I think it's just about about reflecting General. on the concept of the idea. Like, it's just a, yeah. it's, I think of it more yeah. more metaphorically and figuratively than anything. But that's the point: is that there's there's that aspect to existence too. Um, and I think sometimes the first time I think about it is when I'm thinking about like the Divine Comedy by Dante, because that was the last sure. time I heard about Purgatory was uh, Dante wandering up Purgatorio, which to him was represented by a giant mountain where people were climbing slowly with debilitating effects on them. Like 
they had yeah, and like RPG some people terms. had like their eyes sewn shut as they were uh, walking up because wow. they lust of the eyes, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that's that sounds far more like the limbo version of purgatory. Yeah, uh, more of the hardcore medieval purgatory, which is yeah. less like how we would probably think of it today. Yeah, probably that's a good point. Um, anyway, so uh, Brian, take us home. What's next? I, you guys just got me thinking. I don't know. I, I graduated in two thousand six in the winter of two thousand six. I've been kind of trying to fit from college, and I'd moved from California to Texas to you know go to school. And I still don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm working. I'm making a paycheck. But in God, he shows up every once in a while. But for the most part, I don't see him working. And I've even, I've just kind of come to a crisis of faith recently where I'm just like, I told my wife, I'm ready to walk. God's not real to me. I, I don't see him doing anything. And more specifically, it was God's not doing what I want him to do. He's doing everything else that, he, that, I, that, I, that I don't want him to do. But he's not doing what I want him to do. I, you know, and that's and that, and I realized that. And I just thought, you know, I'm I'm trying to control God. But my prayer lately has been, and I and I bumped into it randomly the other day in Isaiah 64. It's ultimately, and it just says in verse one, um, "Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down." And then in verse three, it says again, uh, "For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down." And that ultimately in verse four, it talks about how uh, those who wait. Um, those who wait on God, uh, God works for them. Not that he works for them, but that he will He will come down to them and just meet them on a physical level. On Sunday, I talked about, um, we were in John, the last chapter in John, and we were talking about Thomas. And, you know, Thomas and Jesus, you know, they, they talk and Jesus is like, you know, you can feel in them, you know, my wounds, check them out. And basically Thomas or Jesus was what Thomas needed in that moment, which was to physically feel him, touch him. You know, just to, you know, confirm, yes, Christ, you know, you're alive, you are who you say you are. And I think we come to a point in our lives where we just, we need God to be real. And we just, we need to be touched by him in some manner. And he works, he does do that. Um, I, I don't know, I, I came across, and then again, it was Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, that yet he did not sin. Um, just the, the God is, he's, he's walked it. He's done this. He's farted. He's been dirty. You know, he, he's been tempted. And if you look at the temptation of Christ, even in the desert, um, the devil goes after him when he's tired, when he's hungry. And then he ends up, and I'm, I'm trying to, I was reading it today. And then he ends up offering him, you know, different things. And you wonder if those were things, not that Christ sinned, but just those were things that maybe he dealt with. I don't know. But he offered him these things, these big things. And the devil does that to us all the time. You know, he kind of beats us down. And, and I'll just, I feel like I'm rambling now. But it just, I, this is a faith journey is what I'm saying. And there are ups and downs. There are times where we do get depressed. There are times where we're sad. But we do not have, God's with us in those moments, whether we think he is or not. Whether he's acting in a way that we want him to be acting sometimes I wish he was a genie and I can just do what I wanted, but that's the control. That's the control part of me who wants to control God. And that's, that's not how God works. God always has something bigger and better. And if you look back in your life, usually you can see points, you know, where God's worked and he's done huge things and you know, he's been there. Yeah. And he always works best through, through our humility and weakness. Mm -hmm. Like when, when, when we're humble and not trying to, to be awesome and be powerful, that's when God has the most, that's like the the palette for that God can use us the most, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, like especially if you look at the whole Bible, like every story of God use, working through humans is about these people laying themselves down and being self sacrificial, humble, etc. Not like like Samson's greatest strength was when he was humiliated and had his eyes gouged out. Not when he was. Not when he was tying, like a normal tying foxtails. Yeah, that's when yeah, he was tying foxtails. Like super strong. I love. Strong. I love when he was when that he was able to trap three hundred foxes and and just like ingeniously destroy an entire economy with foxtails. But like, <laughs> but he was able to understand when he had no distractions. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, getting your eyes gouged out obviously is the come on, come on. David's foreskin hunt was even better. Yeah, it was definitely one of the better stories. Um, yeah, when there's not the distraction of foreskin piles in your way. 
You can truly fall gone. You can keep going. You can quote me on best, that. Best dowry ever. So, <laughs> so Brian, what a wedding um, gift. The modern times, you just like, well, what do you want for ten thousand foreskins? You just get a bag, and you're like, here you go, parents. Here, of my here you go. It was, it was three hundred. I remember. Oh, 300 foreskins, just like the amount of foxes that Samson had to catch. Oh, there you go. Coincidence? I think not. No, I think they're connected. <laughs> they might be. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's like some, well, most of the, the Old Testament has like all these Hebrew number things about them that yeah. like all symbolize very specific things. It's not about the number. It's about the value behind the number. Yeah, like the number seven. I think everybody kind of knows that one. Yeah, that that one that one's for, for being lucky. Um <laughs> Just a joke. Brian, so what's next? Take us home. Save us. If if you could offer words to of encouragement maybe to somebody who just isn't doing well right now, and that could be because they're stuck in the house because it's 105 outside, like me, or whatever else you know that you're dealing with, what, what would those words be? You guys can rock, paper, scissors it. No, I can. You can, you can talk. Sometimes life sucks. And then you get back up and do whatever it is you do. <laughs> you get down, but you get up again. Yeah, see, Audio Adrenaline was correct. All this time, we were making fun of it, but they had it. Uh, <laughs> but, but, serious, but seriously, there, there's this aspect of... Um, it says, it says in, in, in the word that, that David encouraged himself daily in the Lord. And I think that that's the key. Like, Say what you will, think what you will about tongues, but like the act of specifically speaking words over yourself that that are god honoring and bringing you up out of darkness is really really valuable um whether that's words that you understand or words that you don't i think that the point is um crying out to god is always definitely a really healthy place to start um another one is getting out of yourself getting out of of wherever you are specifically physically getting out of wherever you are physically at the moment leaving your house leaving your uh hostile emotional situation um if you're at work getting outside for a lunch break uh or you know taking a quote-unquote cigarette break uh even if you don't smoke but um especially if you don't smoke but that's that's one of the things like how is it that if you smoke you get more breaks that's not fair (laughs) (laughs) do you know i've Um, i've found that i get more depressed the more i kind of retreat into myself and it's when i'm actually out helping or being around people yeah that i'm that i'm at the top of my game yeah um specifically praying over other people if you if you can't get out of your own funk by praying for yourself pray for other people um that's one thing that's really huge uh or specifically start serving other people do do something for somebody who's not yourself i know it's the last thing you want to do but the moment that you start doing it it's a lot easier to follow through and then you finish and you serve someone and then they might thank you for it. They might not. But like the point is you'll be outside of yourself at that moment. You'll be a lot less selfishly thinking. Also, it's very important to discern the objective and subjective elements of your own experience. For example, sometimes it feels like people hate you or sometimes it feels like things aren't going well when they actually are the exact opposite, which means that at some point <laughs> you took a wrong turn somewhere. Everybody else is having fun. You're not. Sometimes you just have to figure also, out what's problematic. Yeah, sometimes your feelings are just whacked out because of like chemicals in your brain and because of drugs. Because <laughs> of can drugs, be, yeah. Um, well, because of natural drugs too, like just because caffeine. of a dop- dopamine or, or sub- caffeine insufficiency or Adderall. Yeah, whatever. But just like if you if you you know if you've been drinking too much caffeine, you know, like that could negatively affect you. Like I know. I know that every day at about one o'clock in the afternoon, I start to get a little depressed, and that's because I need caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the you're on the downhill side of it. You're all yeah. addicted to it. Yeah. So get addicted to Jesus is what you're saying, huh? Yeah, that's what you're saying. That is that is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to wallow in ourselves, you know, versus. Um, praying or just opening up to God. It's easy to retreat into video games and ignore a problem when we should be tackling it, you know, head yeah, on. Yeah, that's that's definitely another big thing is is if you're if you're depressed and you've lost joy, if you aren't finding joy in playing games, 
playing games more isn't going to get you out of that. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Not at no. all. No. <laughs> You're just going to find yourself on the other end of playing way too many video games and wondering, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> my butt hurts. It hurts to sit. <laughs> yeah. You get numb butt after a while. Come on. Numb butt. Numb yeah. You gain weight, and then the weight affects you, and everything else does, and it's just it's a downward Yeah. Scale. Yeah. So, it's all bad. Yeah, well, you know, numbutt. Numbutt. The biggest yeah, so that's, of that's all, all your worries. <laughs> Please don't call the podcast that. <laughs> I am totally good. <laughs> because you uh, specifically requested it not to be called that, it's going to be called that. Yeah. So I can, I can if, I, if I could encourage anybody out there is if you feel stuck in yourself, if you feel just like you're not in a good place, talk to somebody. And talk to someone that you can trust that's not going to turn around and use it to backstab you and leave you bleeding all over the concrete emotionally. Uh, yeah, that's Emot- an issue of trust. Emotional bleedings. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, definitely seek community. I mean, that's, that's a really big deal. And it's easy to get stuck inside ourselves. Yeah. And that's the Sometimes key is, is community, not, not human beings in general, but, but people who you feel a part of. Yep. Um, and people who care about you. Because, like, it's real easy to, to I think – go to a church and not be, unfortunately, it shouldn't be that easy, but to be, to not be a part of a community. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if you find yourself in a larger group, even me, like sometimes I find that I don't feel like I'm connecting with my church and there's only like 15 of us, uh, if if even on a good day. And that's probably more my own issue than anything, but just like reaching out and saying, Hey guys, could you pray over me? Is sometimes, a nice handy reminder of like, oh wait, these people do actually care about me, mm-hmm. um, uh, even if you just aren't feeling it at that moment. Yeah, yeah. You guys good? Yeah. Have you said how your about, piece. How about communities like Theology Gaming University? Oh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, that can be certainly an element of it. Yeah, and I think that but that's, just a that, piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I think that a piece of the puzzle is right because like you guys, you guys and I talk a lot. Like we probably talk a lot. Like. Like more than most, like probably any of my friends, really. Like we we talk. Well, no, I'm serious. Like we talk. Yeah, we yeah. talk like throughout the day, every day, and just co- have our constant thread of conversation. And I think that that's really really cool. But I also realize like that's not the norm. One and two, like as much as it is, it's not enough. Like there there's there's a, there's also like a, a. I mean, maybe it's probably enough for Zach because Zach Zach's a machine and he, he's just happy all the time. Apparently. <laughs> Next task. Wow. <laughs> wow. Loading next program. <laughs> Resolve quickly. We'll start calling you Trinity. You're not Neo. You're Trinity. <laughs> you are a very valuable support character. Yeah. That's very important for the main character. <laughs> but you die in the end. Yeah. Oh, well. Everybody oh, dies in the died. end. It's called the end of the world for a reason. Um <laughs> So with that, on that bright note, Brian, take us home. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone dies. Brian, take us away. This has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. You can find Josh at lovesubverts.com or now on Indie Haven, which is a very special place. They've got a great template. It's awesome. So check them out. (laughs) Josh can also make and fulfill all of your video gaming trailer needs. So hit him up. He's on the Twitters at, what do you at? M Joshua. Mm. We'll never know what the M stands for. Michael. It's a mystery. Mysterious. Michael. All right, that's you. Is it really Michael? (laughs) Yeah. That's disappointing. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I just want to keep it mysterious, but uh, yeah. What's your middle name, Brian? I'm just going to call you Fry that from now on. Me? Yeah. Oh, I'm Joshua. So I'm just going to call you Josh, and I'm going to call Josh Josh. Josh Josh? Josh Josh Josh? (laughs) Yeah, we'll never be able to tell the difference. And Zach, Zach, we're going to call you Josh, Josh, Josh. Yeah, Josh. And so we can all have the same name. We'll Josh be, to the third. We'll, we'll be better ver- friends. Very variable of, uh, frequencies, yeah. We'll be better so you friends can find, we're all of the same name. You can find Mr. Zachary Oliver lurking at theologygaming.com. He's a lurker there who occasionally writes things sometimes. Occasionally. Most maybe every Maybe every day. I don't know. Occasionally. Yeah. And you can find me, and I haven't blogged in a really long time, but I have been posting videos at uh, johnnybgamer.com, and I suggest you come over and boost my traffic. 
<laughs> that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the hits. I need them clicks. I need them clicks. <laughs> I only have like 15 people visit me today. Guys, I need more friends. That's what this is about. I'm clicking so come on be my everything friend. on your page. <laughs> and if you'd like to interact with the three of us, you can visit uh, Theology Gaming University, which is an amazing Facebook group full yeah. of other people. Prepare Where we've been doing be uh, AMAs on Thursdays. They've been good. Who's the next AMA, anyway? Me. I'm up. Oh, you're up, but by the time this gets published, it'll have been done. Please ask me terrible questions. I, I would I'm love I'm going to ask you about what kind of, what kind of undies you wear. What kind of undies. <laughs> Why would you want to know this? I don't. I just think it's a good question. Boxer briefs. <laughs> um, what else would you like to know? I hope that's not an honest What color? <laughs> well, it depends on what's inside the pack. All the and colors of the rainbow. Depends. <laughs> Yellow? Where'd you get that? This has been the Theology Gaming <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. So long. <laughs> and wear your pants. Goodbye. <laughs>